The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hi, this is Walter Koenig, artist, writer, star, etc., 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 and I want you to know that you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like good. Broadcasting from O Comic Con, Omaha's very own brand new baby comic convention. But it's growing so fast. It's, it's growing fast. It came out of the womb way bigger than we thought it was going to. It and hurt I, a lot. And I don't think mom's doing very well, honestly. <laughs> it is my pleasure to welcome you folks to THN episode 210, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, May 27th. My name is Matt Baum. That's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not being reelected king of the ziggurat, in spite of my co host being investigated for corruption, that I knew nothing about. I am writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. That must have been a political joke because Keith Biner just freaked it's a out. FIFA joke. Oh, FIFA <laughs> joke. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not more than willing to turn state's witness and hand over piles of documents regarding a long history of my co-hosts' bribery and malfeasance, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. They have a booth right over there by the front door. I assure you, as my first act as king, I will root out all this corruption. This week, you're going to hear our reviews of Fight Club 2, number 1, and Convergence, number 8. After that, we're going to review 10 more of this week's new comics, faster than Captain Canuck can extradite us back to Ontario during the ludicrous speed round. Then we will visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Joe and I will be using some eldritch magics by Brother Angry Jack and some strapping young ladies. Strapping? Yeah, they were strapping. (laughs) To get to the secrets of next week's comics, and finally... We'll be wandering the convention floor and taking some of the guests here, talking to some of the guests here at O Comic Con. But before we start charging 20 bucks for a Polaroid with the two of us, let's get a big round of applause you know who for you all are the beautiful there. people here at the Omaha convention. That's your cue. All right, that was huge. Mantar freaked out. Did you see that? That was great. And then we can talk about this week's big news. We got big news. Top Shelf has announced plans to publish a graphic adaptation of Hunter S. Thompson's legendary novel, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Working with the Thompson estate, the graphic novel will be created by Eisner-nominated artist Troy Little for release this October. From the publisher's press release, quote, I'm so pleased that one of the first collaborative projects to come out of the Top Shelf IDW relationship will be Troy Little's inspired take on a true classic of American literature, said Top Shelf editor-in-chief Chris Staros. That was nice mouthful. Dude. I'm impressed. I know. <laughs> one of the most unforgettable writers turned loose in one of my favorite cities. We can't wait to show you what Troy's done with it. End quote. That's the end of the quote, not the end of the press release. Gotcha. The much-beloved Fear and Loathing, subtitled A Savage Journey to the Heart of the American Dream, follows Thompson analog Raul Duke on the mother of all Vegas benders as he and his attorney, Dr. Gonzo, cover a motorcycle race, crash a drug enforcement convention, and rack up obscenely large room service bills, all while dosed to the gills on a truly spectacular assortment of mind-altering substances Matt can relate. <laughs> Troy Little is That's known... only half true. <laughs> Troy Little is known for his Zurich Award-winning graphic novel, Chiaroscuro. Chiaroscuro. Yeah, thanks. And his series Angora Napkin, which garnered him an Eisner Award nomination. I realize I make a lot of jokes about pronunciation on that show. I pronounce that correctly. Okay. (laughs) 
Okay. Matt, are comics gonzo enough to do Thompson's work justice? I think comics are the perfect place for Thompson's work. This, I can't tell you how excited I am about this. I, I loved the book itself. I love the man. I love the movie with Johnny Depp. I cannot wait to see what they do with the comics. And Top Shelf is a perfect place for stuff like this because they can do anything. They don't have to pull any punches. They don't have to worry about it. They can get super weird. They can get graphic. We can have some fun drug use, some nudity, all things that I love. You do. <laughs> it's you true. do love that stuff. I can, I can attest to that. Uh, you know, I've never, I don't know anything about Hunter S. Thompson. Of course you don't. Hunter S. Thompson is an incredible journalist. I did read Transmetropolitan. Yes, and, and Spider-Jerusalem is Hunter S. Thompson in the future. Well, okay. Is this book set in the future? No. In movie news, Hollywood changeling and sweaty amphibian Tilda Swinton is reportedly in talks to appear in Marvel Studios' upcoming Doctor Strange film, but in a somewhat unlikely role. According to various reports, Swinton is up for the role of the Ancient One, the centuries-old sorcerer that trained Stephen Strange in the mystic arts. Joe Patrick, gut reaction. I thought Tilda Swinton was already an actual sorcerer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I don't think she's a sorcerer, but I do think she's an eldritch creature. Oh, like a fake creature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look. You know, it sounds good to me, man. <laughs> Tilda Swinton was in Constantine movie. She was probably the best part of that movie. Well, Other than Peter Stormare as the devil. This is going to be like when Max Fleischman showed up to play Count Orlock, and he's like, I don't need makeup. And they're like, nope, you're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it would be cool. It would obviously be a very different take on the Ancient One. In the comics, he's this, you know, inscrutable, wizened, bearded gentleman. Yeah, well, and I assume <laughs> she's, I mean, she might... You know, have light for a face. Who knows? I mean, they can do whatever. She's got light for a face already. She's already weird enough, and she's played dudes in movies before, so they don't have to make her make it a lady. No, she could be a make weird. The ancient one. Of all the of I all the said characters, a weird sexless thing, but we don't want to yeah. offend any of our weird no. sexless listeners. So, <laughs> of, of all of the things to get broken up about in terms of comic book movie casting, I think we can all agree that the ancient one, we can probably let that one go. No, I think it's awesome. In other Hollywood news, Fox has decided it's a good idea to reboot The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, based on Alan Moore's series starring a cadre of literary adventurers. Fox already produced one disastrous LXG adaptation in 2003. LXG. <laughs> well, that's, you know. That's what they called it. LXG. I it know. was awful. But hey, the Daredevil do-over worked out, so why not? Alan Moore himself wants to describe the group as a Justice League of Victorian England, so maybe... This superhero-saturated film market is ripe for an LXG comeback. Joe, what do you think? And who is The Rock going to play? <laughs> the Rock can play Mr. Hyde. That was perfect. Yes, The Rock can play Mr. Hyde. <laughs> Sean Connery. Joking, but that is perfect. <laughs> Sean Connery is still alive. This is true. This is true. Just, he's the Undertaker just, is still walking around, too. He'd be a great Mr. Hyde. He's so embarrassed by the first League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie that he quit Hollywood. It was awful. And I don't think that's the reason why he quit Hollywood. I think he quit Hollywood because he's drunk and depressed. I think that's why he quit Hollywood. Well, I don't think he's depressed. I think he's crazy. I don't know, man. I, it sounds like a terrible idea. My gut reaction is like, oh, God, why? Well, look, if they do but it right. If you can make an, an actual proper adaptation of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yes. then by all means do it. And do it right. And we don't need Huck Finn because, you know, got to have an American in there. I mean, come on. Uh, whatever happens, I, we all know that Alan Moore will be mad about it. So It's true. Ed Pisker's Hip Hop Family Tree, currently published in print as a series of graphic novels, will become a monthly comic this August, courtesy of Fanagraphics. 
the company's first, in fact. Written and drawn by Pisker, each volume of Hip Hop Family Tree traces a few years in the history of hip hop, covering the rise of performers, including Run DMC and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Funny uh, aside, if you type grandma into your phone, it autocorrects to Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. And I saw this like top 10 Facebook statuses that was yeah, it's here, like, where it's like, oh, your Grandmaster Flash and I are so happy you graduated, sweetheart. Like, hey, I've got bad news about Grandmaster Flash. It doesn't look like he's going to make it. Thanks for the really great scarf, Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> According to the press release, the series will start off as expanded reprints featuring commentary and bonus material compiled by Pisker. Quote, the first issue traces the very beginning of hip-hop. It spotlights the breakdancers, graffiti artists, DJs, and MCs who formed hip-hop culture in the tenement rec rooms of the South Bronx in the 1970s. Readers will discover who invented the term hip-hop, and cultural pioneers like Grandmaster Flash and Africa Bambata will make appearances, end quote. Bambata's first appearance was incredible. <laughs> he <laughs> stepped out of a spaceship. <laughs> Embracing the spirit of modern comics, each issue will come in a wide array of variants and retailer incentives. Matt, are you excited for monthly doses of hip-hop history? I've already bought the first two collections. I'm going to buy the issues, and if they put it out any other way, I'll buy it that way, too. This is the best. I mean, it is the best thing in the world. I guess it makes sense that they're just doing, like, bite-sized chunks of the original volumes. Sure. But part of me was a little upset that it wasn't something original, but they're going to be extra material in them. Yeah. No, he's going to load it with a bunch of extra stuff. Like, on his actual webcomic, there's extra stuff that isn't published in the regular books. So I'm assuming we're going to get that. I don't know, but I'm assuming we're going to get that in the monthly books. Regardless, what he is doing is so amazing. It's the untold tales of hip hop and it's it's written and drawn in this very like 60s, 70s silver age style. Even the paper that it's supposedly on looks affected and old. It is so cool. If you're not reading this book, if you haven't checked it out, you can check it out for free on his site and on a couple other sites. I think Fanagraph. I think it started it on uh, uh, Boing Boing. I think it was Boing Boing, yeah. It is amazing stuff. Absolutely pick this up. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or everything we missed, hit us up on the THN forums where Joe and I will be recounting the stories of telling people, no, we're not actually selling anything at the convention. We're just here to get noticed and make you listen to us. But if you want to buy a sticker, we'll let you. But they're free, so feel free to take one. I'm talking to you, kid. She, she won't do it. <laughs> she ran. <laughs> she ran. Every Sunday, the worst cosplayer in the world, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey. I don't have the budget. <laughs> what are we asking the listeners and these fine people at the Omaha Comic Con this week? <laughs> this week's question comes from our good friend, Black Scorpion the Three, who says, quote, So I'm listening to The Gambler by Kenny Rogers right now. <laughs> and I'm thinking that I'd like to see The Gambler as a comic book. So what blatantly non-comic book thing would you like to see adapted in comic book form? Oh, this is awesome. And how would you imagine it? Oh, man, this is totally awesome. It's a hard question. I'm distracted by Jughead right in front of us. I'm sorry. <laughs> Isn't he great? That's amazing. Look at him. You look excellent. He's got a patch on him that it's, says it's Jug. Easiest, it's the easiest costume in the world, too. It's great. <laughs> nah, he had to put that patch on. He had to put, get that thing on his chest. That's true. That's true. 
He had to bribe some friend to make that hat? I think he cut it out of felt. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. A lot of hamburgers. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday. Sorry, I almost forgot we were recording Yeah, the we're recording a show here. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, June 5th. To get us your answer, you can call and leave a message using Skype. The Skype handle is two-headed nerd, all one word. You can also call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894, or send an MP3 to two-headed at gmail.com. Whatever you do, keep it under two minutes. We, we're not afraid of cutting you off. Yeah, but you also may have noticed we gently rolled back on some of our rules. Don't tell them we rolled back on any rules. Okay, okay, okay. Never mind. Forget it. Listen. You're all still in trouble. You. All of you. <laughs> if you need more time than that. Even you, cute Darth Vader. If you need more time than that, <laughs> feel free to write your full answer in the question of the week section of the THN web forums. And then tune in next Wednesday or Saturday, depending on whether or not I remember. Yeah, that was great. Nice move. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. To hear you and your fellow listeners' answers on the THN Answer of the Week podcast. It's review time on THN, where Matt and I charge 25 bucks a book for congoers to hear our reviews on two of this week's comics. We're making a lot of jokes at their expense. You know that, well, right? Well, you know. I mean, we're at a convention. They right? can hear us, probably. Uh, oh, yeah. We're, bla- we're blaring it through loudspeakers. All right. That's why people are looking at us like that. <laughs> oh, is that why? <laughs> what are these morons selling? Matt, what did you review this week? <laughs> this week, I am reviewing Fight Club 2, number one. Don't be confused. From Dark Horse, written by Chuck Palahniuk, with art... I read, by- Chuck- I read Fight Club 1, number two. <laughs> yeah, see? I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> Art by Cameron Stewart, 32 pages. It was only $3.99. Come with me, if you will, on a journey. Back in 1999, Matt Baum walked into a movie theater and had his mind blown. Fight Club was a very formative film for me, and it led to me reading the entirety of Palahniuk's collection of novels and short stories. I love his fiction and was delighted to hear that there would be further adventures of Tyler Durden. I went into this comic with huge expectations, and Fight Club 2 does not disappoint on a technical level. Cameron Stewart's art reminds me of some of Mark Buckingham's early work. His style seems more laid back. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) His style seems a little more laid back than what we've seen of his superhero work. And while his paneling isn't revolutionary, the way he pulls the reader from panel to panel is just masterful. His art, paired with the colors of Dave Stewart, who we probably praise more on the show than Mark Wade, is perfect in capturing the feel of the original David Fincher film. Stewart even peppers some of the panels with pharmaceutical drugs that look three-dimensional, like they were dropped onto the pages sometimes, even obstructing dialogue to illustrate the fog that the main character lives in. The story here is more of a sequel to the novel than the film, and it picks up 10 years later. In the novel, Project Mayhem's bombing attempt fails, and the narrator, I'm gonna call him Jack, but we never actually learn his name in the book, wakes up in a mental institution. 10 years later, Jack is calling himself Sebastian and is married to Marla. They have a son, and they both seem to live a mundane and heavily medicated suburban existence. Marla, bored with the humdrum of daily life, has been replacing some of Sebastian's pills with Tylenol in hope that the Tyler Durden personality would come back and, I don't know, liven things up a bit, I guess. What she doesn't know is that Sebastian has been seeing a psychologist that seems to be loyal to Project Mayhem and has been using hypnosis to let Tyler out from time to time. And it seems the humorous, charismatic Tyler that I remember and loved has been replaced by a murderous terrorist. Here, we see Tyler working with secret Project Mayhem members around the world, murdering officials and detonating car bombs. 
I admit it's been a while since I read the book, but I don't remember Tyler as a murderer. He was dangerous, sure. He was scary, off-kilter crazy, absolutely. But he was a terrorist. But we liked the he character. He blew up buildings. Because he was funny and insightful. In the movie, he blew up the building with no one in it. It was at night, no one was in it. They made sure it was clear. Here, he comes off more as a new 52 Joker than Brad Pitt with a dark sense of humor. Palinia makes the jump to comics look very easy and writes the hell out of this book. I just don't know if it's a story that I wanted. I almost feel like he's playing it safe at times, even going as far as showing us Marla at another support group for children with accelerated aging disease. And it's a funny scene, and she gives the reader some history of how her and Sebastian ended up married in the suburbs, but they already did that. We already got that gag. And honestly, seeing Tyler just back or possibly never leaving in the first place really takes away from the emotional conclusion of the novel where Jack finally takes control of his own mind. This was not bad, but it also wasn't great. And if Chuck is going to pull me back into the Fight Club world, he needs to recapture what not just me, but we all loved about Tyler Durden and not turn him into an international terrorist. I'm giving this a skim it. You know what? I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I thought the art was beautiful. I thought the story was very interesting. I'm not super connected to the source material. I've only seen the movie once or twice. I've never read the book. So I didn't really care about whatever changes you perceived in in the character. I thought it it flowed naturally from the end of the movie, which is all I the only frame of reference I have. Sure, and to be fair, you don't need to read the book to follow this. They spell it out very well. Right, and I thought that The last time I watched Fight Club was 10 years ago, and I didn't have any problems at all picking right up with the story. I really liked it. I'm giving it a buy it. I I just, I don't really have the problem with it that you do. And it was good. I agree. It was good. And it's fair to say that the author of the novel is is free to do whatever the hell he wants to with his characters. I'm sure he'll be glad you think so. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, why don't you tell me about Convergence? Number eight from DC Comics, written by Scott Lobdell and Jeff King, with art by so many people I'm not going to go into it. 32 pages, $3.99. That said, artists are very important, folks. We don't have comics without them, okay? Are you sure you don't want to do the review? You just read half of my information. (laughs) I did. I just kept rolling. I apologize. For the record, the art is by Carlo Pagulian, Steven Segovia, Eduardo Penisca, and Ethan Van Skyver. All of the heroes of the DC Universe unite to face a crisis of infinite proportions. But when all is done, there can be only one reality. Sort of. Or maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) But will even that survive the battle? Uh, We're not sure. I don't even know where to begin with Convergence. There's going to be some spoilers here. Brace yourself. Yeah, if you haven't read Convergence 8, plug your ears, walk away, or just leave the convention altogether. Uh, Ultimately, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't make any sense. Convergence concludes with a series of increasingly noisy whimpers with this issue, but by an array of talent that probably had better things to do with their time. I know that sounds totally dismissive, and it's not that the event or this issue is completely without value. I did enjoy parts of Convergence, uh, and in fact, Convergence actually does affect a pretty major change on the DC Universe. After two fraught months of city-on-city action, the series concludes with the multiverse's greatest heroes talking things out with the villain for nearly 20 pages. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) After that, Brainiac just decided to peace out and send everyone home, but not without altering the course of every cosmic event in DC's publishing history. To be fair, he wasn't feeling well at all. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) How did he alter these events, you may ask? Really great question. (laughs) 
the issue itself doesn't really explain it very well, and every fan and news site on the internet has a different interpretation. I sort of took it of him like hunkering down, like having a rough bowel movement, you know? Yeah. I was like, fix the universe! <laughs> Did DC say, uh, I wrote a bunch of profanity in here that I am not going to read. Did DC say, forget it, and wipe out everything you knew and loved before the New 52 once and for all? Maybe. Did DC say, forget it, and make every story they've ever told a part of continuity? Maybe. Did they say, forget it, and say everything counts but not really because we updated it at all the new versions? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> The general consensus among comics journalists is that DC has opened the door to explore their entire publishing history whenever they want, which is the best case scenario, I guess. But the resolution here is so nebulous that it's impossible to finish reading without a feeling of complete confusion. I'll celebrate if and when we get an original story about Oracle or the classic JSA out of this mess, but here, for now, here. I don't know. The art is a mixed bag. It's, it's not really bad. Uh, and there are a couple of very beautiful pages where Brainiac obliterates the now vacant cities. But there's also a really half-assed couple of double-page spreads illustrating various Earths by Ethan Van Skyver. I thought it was Skyver. That was not good. It, it didn't looked look, unfinished. It didn't look very good to yeah. me. Yeah. I was actually... He's not here, right? Ethan Van Skyver is not here. No, but... Okay. I think he wants to fight you. I, I, I agree. We had a... We had a political discussion once. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually excited about Convergence going into it, and I even enjoyed a bunch of the tie-ins, but this ending is so vague. It's almost like DC is trying to say, hey, we're giving you all what you want, and then trying to trick people into actually believing it without committing to anything. Time will tell, but for now, I can't really recommend it, even to diehard DC faithfuls. I, I feel bad, but I think I'm giving it a leave it. I, you just talked me into a leave it. I was going to give this a skim it because I, I went into this thinking that, like, this would be the worst job in the world. The absolute worst job in the world. They come to you, they, they came to the king and Lobdell, and they went, here's the thing. We've clapped the universe together a thousand times in the history of DC. We're going to do it one more time, and something is going to come out of it. We're not really sure yet, but we know there's going to be a new Prez comic, okay? So go. And and they did their best in telling the story, and it read in a disappointing fashion, sort of like some of the other major DC events that we've had in the last 10 years. I'm like, not even saying that it was poorly executed. It, like, the writing of it and the art was generally well handled. It's just that the story itself, like the resolution that they came up with... It was awful. Which just completely reads like... Scott Lobdell and Jeff King just doing whatever DC editorial. It read like Brainiac ate a burrito that was a little too big, and now he totally regrets it. You know, oh. <laughs> it was just like, oh, oh. I can't believe Look, I ate the whole I, thing. I didn't know it was gonna be like this. <laughs> you know? and no, I'm giving it a leave it as well. This was a ridiculous event. It, the whole thing felt rushed. All the tie-ins were a waste of money. There were a couple I, that I, were now fun. See, I disagree. There were a couple I'm that were fun. I'm just talking about this issue because, as a whole, I thought Convergence was not a bad idea, I, not a bad story, and had a lot of fun moments. Poor execution. You agree with that? This issue was poorly executed. Okay. I'm Give it and leave it as well. So that is a buy it and a skim it for Fight Club 2 number one and a double leave it for Convergence number eight. It's been a while. As always, we want to know what you malignant personalities and brainiacs thought of these comics, so converge your opinions on us over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. I 
know you guys are as excited about the Omaha Comic Con as we are, but did you know that Joe and I were instrumental in bringing this convention to town. It's true. So much so that we've been threatened with extradition to Canada for alleged bribery in stealing the Ocon from Ontario. So join us as we dodge Captain Canuck and his swift brand of Canadian justice. All while we review 10 more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Popats, number four from Ad House. This is a really wonderful collection of short stories written and illustrated by Ethan Rilly. Sometimes funny, sometimes uncomfortable, sometimes heartbreaking, all of them great. I love this indie anthology series and I'm happy to see it back on the stands. Buy it! Providence, number one from Avatar. Alan Moore is back! And it seems this time he's not writing full-on tentacle porn. Here we get a mystery about... <laughs> Here we get a mystery about a book that may or may not be driving people to suicide. There's a very H.P. Lovecraft slash Necronomicon theme going on here. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. This is definitely going to be a slow burn story, but so far it's creepy as hell and Jason Burroughs art has never looked better. That guy is incredible. I'm giving this a buy it. Material number one from Image. Ailish Cot teams with artist Will Tempest for a series of seemingly disconnected but still interwoven stories. This was a really challenging read, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I thought of it. It's clear that Cot is passionate about the message he's trying to convey, and Tempest's art, though it seems simplistic, is very expressive, and he does some interesting things with color. I'm giving it a strong skim it for now, but I'm checking out more for sure. I didn't know what was going on there at all. It was weird. Captain Canuck 2015, number one from Chapter House. Artist Kalman Androvsky writes and draws the return of Captain Canuck, the Canadian superhero that you didn't know that we needed. And it's surprisingly awesome. Cap Canuck works for a Canadian emergency response team called Equilibrium. Canuck is completely reimagined here with a fully fleshed out support team. Here, he's responding to a fire at a Canadian oil sands refinery. This was excellent art and great storytelling. I can't believe I am this excited about the return of Captain Canuck. Buy it! Divinity, number four, from Valiant. I was completely floored by the conclusion of Divinity's first arc and really disappointed to find out that it won't be back until next year. This has been a phenomenal series by Matt Kent, beautifully drawn by Trevor Hairsign with a lost cosmonaut who returns to Earth with the powers of a god after five decades. Don't worry about knowing anything about the Valiant universe, just buy it. Sons of the Devil, number one from Image. Writer Brian Buccioletto and artist Tony Infante. The give, Booch. Give us a story of a man with one red eye and one blue eye and a seriously mysterious past. He must be evil. Tied to a kidnapping from what may have been a cult. There's a huge mystery playing out here that totally hooked me with the last page. I love Tony Infante's hardline sketchy art. Buy this. It reminded me, uh, it looked kind of like, um... John Phillips a little bit? Matteo Scalera. Okay. A little bit, right? Yeah, no, I'll give you that. More Scalera than Phillips, definitely. Infinity Gauntlet, number one from Marvel! Jerry Duggan and Dustin Weaver present a much more compelling version of the Nova family dynamic than we get in the regular Nova book, as the Bakian family struggles to survive in a world ravaged by aliens, while Thanos hunts for Infinity Stones behind the scenes. This was a really fun read, and Dustin Weaver's art is amazing! So far... Secret Wars is killing it in the tie-in department. They totally are. And screw you, Slave Revolt, who thinks all we do is give Marvel buy-its. It's been great! But I am giving it a buy-it. 
to be fair. <laughs> All right, Inferno number one from Marvel. Here we go again. Secret Wars continues here with the story of the X-Men policing a New York that's been taken over by Ileana Rasputin and the demonic forces of Limbo. The story here mainly focuses on Colossus and his partner and main squeeze, Domino, which is a super weird pairing, yes, but I loved it. Dennis Hopeless writes a fun X story and Javier Garon's art is fantastique. I'm giving this a huge buy it. Hey, everybody. John Luttrell. It's the internet's John Luttrell. Making inappropriate. <laughs> you said my name right. I'll never do it. I'll never do it. We're Monster 12, number one from Marvel. Garth Ennis returns to Marvel with a weird little Secret Wars tie-in about a deadbeat womanizing version of the Phantom Eagle. I mean, to be fair, I don't know what the Phantom Eagle was like originally. He might have been this way. Oh, man. Getting, I heard that you got laid all the time. <laughs> getting way laid in the <laughs> Savage Land. It's pretty decent on its own. And it's got gorgeous art by Russ Braun, but it kind of illustrates the problem I have with the setup of Secret Wars, like the actual conceit of it. If Doctor Doom had the power to conquer the universe and remake the world as he sees fit, why the hell would he bother creating a battle world territory populated by an asshole World War II pilot? <laughs> Especially if this new world, if in the new world there was no World War II. I mean, it's a valid question, but like, I assume he would have to first create Garth Ennis. And then Garth Ennis would create it. Which, Whoa. That is meta. Whoa. <laughs> Mind blown. Are you reading it or is it reading you? That whole thing is a separate issue. If you can remove this book from the context of the event, you'll find a fun story with great art. I'm giving it a buy it. Vacancy, one shot from No Brow. Jen Lee writes and draws this charming little story about a dog that wears clothes and talks, and he's trapped in his backyard after humanity seems to have disappeared. We don't really know. Like, buildings are broken, they've been burnt, there may have been a zombie attack, not sure. But he meets a deer and a raccoon that help him escape, and adventure ensues. This was suitable for all ages, it was super cute art, and it was great. I'm giving it a buy it. That is your ludicrous speed round, and Converge is sort of exactly what sort of kind of happened in the pages of Convergence, sort of. But there were no sound effects in that book. No, not really. Because nothing happened. I don't think anybody even got punched. Well, uh, no. There was a little bit of a very brief fight. But Parallax did go like, oh, I'll go back to the crisis. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> now gather all your multiversal opinions of these comics and converge them on us. Which is a joke we made twice in this one episode. <laughs> over at the this week's comic section of the THN forum. It's quality writing, folks. Quality writing. We got little Captain America over here. He looks badass, man. I can tell you've been working out. Joe, there are a ton of cosplayers here. What do you say we ask our good buddy, Brother Jack Angry of the Angry Brothers Omaha Shakorama, to use his dark powers to possess these lovely ladies. Maybe we could see if we could get him to get the Dark Lords to speak some of their secrets of next week's comics through their unsuspecting mouths. Well, greetings, faithful followers. This is your old pal, Brother Jack Angry, coming to you from Okamakan, from the Monastery of Mayhem, deep in the bowels of Omaha, Nebraska. And when I say bowels in Omaha, I mean bowels. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, I'm going to call the dark gods of Republicans everywhere to possess my two lovely uh, demons, Dolce or Vita and Inferna, ah. to tell what's coming up here on the show. So what let me just up? work up my mojo comics here. Coming out next oh, I'm sorry. Comics coming out next week. Yes. Sorry. Had a senior moment there. <laughs> you know, it's like pretty soon I'll be writing for them adult diapers. <laughs> 
So let me just work up the mojo here and adjust a few things. Jerry Falwell, lend me your dark powers and your inbredness and possess my two lovely assistants and make them spew, spew forth the words that are going to terrify everyone. Matt's pick for next week. Broken World number one. Boom. Written by Frank J. Barbary. By Christopher Peterson. 32 pages, 399. With a meteor days away from causing an extinction level event on Earth, time is running out for Lena Marlowe. While most of the planet's population and her family were approved by the government to escape on one of the giant spaceships headed to another planet, her application was denied due to her mysterious past. Joe's pick for next week, Airborne Number 1 Image Comics written by James Robinson. Art by Greg Hinkle. When acclaimed comics author James Robinson, Starman Fantastic Four, is hired to write a reboot of the 1940s action hero Airboy, he reluctant to do yet another Golden Age reboot. Just what the hell was happened to his career? His marriage, his life. Hey, it's nothing that a drink can't fix. It's after one such night of debauchery with artist Greg Hinkle that the project really comes into its own. Quite literary, because Airboy himself appears to set the two depraved comic book creators on the straight and narrow. But is the task too much for our hero? The THN Trade of the Week is the drawn and quarterly 25 years of contemporary cartooning comics and graphic novels from Drawn and Quarterly. North America's pioneering comics publisher celebrates its quarter century with new and rare archival comics, essays, and more. This is a massive 800-page hardcover thank-you letter to the cartoonists whose steadfast belief in a Canadian micro-publisher never wavered. With hundreds of pages of new and rare comics by Drawn and Quarterly cartoonists, DNQ 25 features new and unreleased work by Kate Beaton, Chester Brown, Michael DeForge, James Sturm, Jillian Tamaki, Guy Delisle, Linda Berry, Chris Ware, Art Spiegelman, Adrian Tomine, and more. Editor Tom Devlin digs into the company archives for rare photographs, correspondence, and comics, assembles biographies, personal reminiscences, and interviews with key drawn and quarterly staff, and curates essays by Margaret Atwood, Lemony Snicket, Jonathan Lethem. I thought Lemony Snicket was a made-up person. Apparently not. Lemony Snicket is a real person? Yeah. Chris Ware and noted comic scholars. Really? DNQ 25 is the rare <laughs> chance to witness a literary movement in progress, how a group of dedicated artists and their publisher changed the future of a century old medium. That is a long solicit. That is a long solicit. That's a lot of talking. Angry Brother Jack, that was amazing. I had no idea you had so much power. Yes, it was good <laughs> for me, but I need a cigarette. <laughs> and where can we see your show, Jack? Uh, all right, well, you can see us on here in Omaha on KPAO Cox Channel 22. Uh, that is Saturday mornings at 1 a.m. We are, have a YouTube channel, and that's uh, you can just Google the Angry Brothers on YouTube. Uh, we are on Vimeo. Again, you can Google uh, the Angry Brothers. 
Omaha uh, Shockerama. Yes, o Omaha Shockerama, and we're on seven different public access networks across the country. Uh, we are Omaha's true late night horror host, often imitated, never duplicated, don't accept any substitutions. <laughs> and we will, of course, have links to all of that in our show notes. Jack, ladies, thank you so much. Thank you. That was demonic and wonderful. <laughs> wow. Guys, let's keep America on top. Watch horror hosts, y'all. Good night and unpleasant dreams. Good night. <laughs> Ladies, you were absolutely perfect, and I want you to know we are absolutely not responsible in any way for demonic repercussions from your possession. You can see our lawyer on your way out. He's got some papers for you to sign. In the meantime, I want you nerds to head over to the THN forums to read about what the listeners are excited to read next week. I think the Mid-America Center is liable. Aren't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. No, we're in Council Bluffs, so like we just crossed the river, and the supernatural cops can't touch us, man. Oh, but it's allowed here. Like, you're out of your jurisdiction, officer! <laughs> Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the first O Comic Con Omaha comic book convention on location here in Council Bluffs, Iowa, episode of THN. If you like podcasts that get interrupted by cosplayers that are trying to figure out what you're selling at your booth, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And while you're there, you can leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners just like you guys. Yeah, Mantar! Yeah, Mantar! <laughs> Thank you to all of our donors, and if you want to help pay for next year's booth across from Mantar, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at twoeditnerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box, and as little as a dollar a month really does help. You know who we met today? Sustaining donor, Matt Truesdale. Matt Truesdale. He's a good-looking guy. He's handsome, man. Yeah, That's in true. fact, I've heard that donating to THN makes you more attractive. <laughs> if you're interested in sponsoring THN, shoot us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline. It's the most important phone number in the world, folks. Remember this, 402-819-4894. Call us, insult us, say whatever you want, say hi, threaten our lives. We love it. Don't do that. And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the Ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show. You can ask us to review your self-published comics. You can learn more about our segments and how you can be a part of them. Or you can just rap about comics, sucker. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify. Just search for Matt Bomb's name. It'll come up. Okay. Next week, Joe He's and I... He's got his own profile. It's adorable. It's true. Next week, Joe and I step back into the comic studio with some interviews we had with creators right here at the O Comic Con. I sure hope we get some. Oh, we better. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Matt Fujon. I know you're in here somewhere. And the staff at the Omaha O Comic Con for putting on a great show. And for letting a couple... Fred Gorham just donated. He is more attractive. <laughs> He's instantly more attractive. Look at him. And for... Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I was laughing too hard. And for letting a couple of disorganized nerds set up for this nonsense. Word to all of you and the awesome crowd that came out to support this show. Until next time, true believers, remember, pre-order your comics because your retailer might just have Mantar 
slam you through a table if you don't. This is the two-headed nerd signing off. That was violent. And I guess it's my crush.